0: Thank you, Kristen. Tremendous job. Thank you, Jeff. You guys did great. Band, thank you all for coming out and leading us today. It's great. Kristen, do you think in heaven God will allow me to sing like that and play like that? Wouldn't that be great? Man, great job. We do welcome you today. Thank you so much for coming out and worshiping the Lord here at Great Hills Baptist Church. Uh, Many people are on vacation, they're quarantined, and many of you are watching us online, and we're delighted to have you join us online. I know we have people all over literally the world who tune us in and watch, not only at 11, but when it's rebroadcast during the week. So we do genuinely, we welcome you. We're glad that you've tuned us in, and we just pray that God just envelops you and just brings you right into this special, spectacular moment of worship that we're enjoying here uh, in our church. Delighted to have my son. It's not every Sunday to have my son uh, that's with us today. Uh, Bryant Forshee is the junior high pastor at uh, Prestonwood Baptist Church. I'm glad to have him. And his father-in-law, Megs Miller, is here with him. And so they drove in with me this morning, about an hour drive. We're staying at a lake house for the holidays. And so thank them for uh, keeping me company and bringing this on in. Pastor Nathan Leno, I just got a shout out to you, my friend. God bless you. You've packed two pews today. You came from Houston. Uh, Pastor Nathan is a, a pastor of Northeast Houston Baptist Church. It's a great church there. We've had Brandon, Brandon Bales, come, your student pastor, spoken here a couple of times. And I've got to get Nathan up here to preach sometime. This guy's a phenomenal uh, preacher. You will love his accent from South Africa. But Nathan, I just got to say, God is doing a spectacular work in your church. And we are just thrilled. I'm keeping up with it. All the salvations, the baptisms, the prayer movement. They started a prayer movement on Tuesday night. Y'all have about 50% of the attendance on a Sunday morning come back on tuesday night and it is phenomenal And i just commend you guys i'm so excited for what the lord look they had a christmas eve service a couple of nights ago had 79 people saved 79 people gave their life to christ at christmas eve so nathan man keep it up you're doing a great job so glad to see you and your wife and your family what what a blessing a cherished friend glad that he's here today So today we're going to finish up our series of messages on the grand topic of forgiveness. The best gift is the title of my message today. I thank uh, two of our pastors on our team, Daniel Van Cleves, not feeling well. He's at home today. Daniel, God bless you. He can't taste. He feels terrible. You can only imagine what he has, right? Uh, so God bless you, many Sharon Seely. God bless you. I just got a text that you're in the hospital and not doing well. We're praying for you and many of our church family. Uh, Adamir, our drummer, uh, he's his whole family has COVID, as many others do. So we're praying for you and uh, God. God bless you. But Jeffrey, thank you for preaching for me last week and Daniel the week before that. And so excited to be able to share this message with you, called the best gift, and we're talking about the gift of Of forgiveness you may have heard his story a few years ago Matt Swatzel was a first responder stayed up all night working got off the next morning and as he was driving home the unthinkable happened he fell asleep crossed over in the other oncoming traffic lane and he struck a lady 30 years of age and she was seven months pregnant her name was June Fitzgerald she was killed immediately the baby was killed immediately, but their 19-month-old daughter in the back, Faith, was untouched. She was unharmed. Of course, the first responder, he, he was devastated. Well, Jim was married to a pastor. Uh, he was a pastor of a local church. His name was Eric, Eric Fitzgerald. And can you imagine his life going in just one moment going from being happily married and having a family to now he's a... Widower, and he is a single father. Well, the Today Show picked this story up. And I remember watching it and just watching Carson Daly and Savannah Guthrie as they were interviewing this pastor. And what happened years ago, he said, I had an opportunity. I could have exacted revenge. He said, there was a part of me that was just so utterly angry he said i was so angry at eric and i'm in mean, it mad and i know what he did was an accident i know if he could take it back he would but he did it he did the unthinkable he fell asleep and he took the life of my precious wife and our unborn baby but he said i'm not going to do that he said i choose and he stood before the judge and the judge said what would you do pastor what is your verdict what would you have me do to this man who is guilty and he said these words he said, I choose forgiveness. I choose to forgive him. Remember Carson Daly, he, he was so struck by this. He goes, isn't this what Christianity is about? Literally, that's what he said on the Today Show. He said, isn't Christianity about forgiveness, what this man has done? Savannah Guthrie said, but what if this pastor had chosen not to forgive? What would have happened? Well, fast forward to today. Pastor Eric is married, so is Matt. He's married. They have families. They are the best of friends today. I tell you the path of reconciliation, restoration, forgiveness, that is a much greater, grander path than the path of revenge or getting our way or our understanding of justice. So I'm excited about the message today. We're going to study a passage of scripture that you may think is a little odd at first when you're talking about the subject of forgiveness, but we're going to look at the Lord's Prayer. In Matthew uh, chapter 6, we'll look at verses 9 through 15, and we're going to accentuate, just really focus on a a few of the words of Jesus when he talks about this grand topic, this amazing gift of uh, forgiveness. Now, As we prepare our hearts and we're ready to study God's Word, I want to give this little caveat. I want to say this to you. Some of you here today, especially during the holidays, you are struggling with unforgiveness. And I just want to come alongside you and say these words. I'm so glad you're here today. I'm so glad that God has supernaturally orchestrated events that you're here in this place at this time, or you are at your home or in your bedroom, wherever you are, and the Holy Spirit of God, he sees you. And I really believe that God is going to minister to many people through this text, through this sermon about this topic of forgiveness and its ugly antithesis, which is unforgiveness. Now, if you have been offended, if you have been hurt, injured, or wronged in your life, would you raise your hand? I'm just curious if that's everybody. Yep, thought it would be. I could also ask you to raise your hand if you've been wounded, injured, offended, or hurt in 2020. And everybody would raise their hand. i tell you, 2020 has abounded with offense, with hurt, with injury, with words we should not say. And I've heard these stories of, of parents going, oh my word, we've been in the same home for months with these kids, we're about to kill each other and we're saying things we shouldn't say. And I get that. This has been a ripe environment for offense, for injury, for you perhaps saying something you should not have said or having somebody say something to you that they haven't. And here's the thing. It's what we do next is what we reveal what we truly believe to be true about God. If we really believe God is who he says he is and he has forgiven us, then we also as Christians believe that God gives us the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit within us empowers us and enables us to do the unthinkable. And the unthinkable for you maybe today is forgiveness. And I'm here to tell you, God empowers you to do that. So I'm just gonna come alongside you today and encourage you, I've been offended. I've been wounded. I've had people say, and he said, Well, Pastor, that's just part of the Nathan, that's just part of the territory. Brother, you stand up there. Uh, people are going to take offense. They're going to get upset with you if you preach the Bible, if you don't preach the Bible, if you don't dress a certain way, if you do dress a certain way. And, and I get that, and, and, and I understand it. But this year is a little different. This year we had some things going on, family dynamics, very painful, very hurtful, and we were offended. And I had to wrestle with that. Um, I don't know how you respond. When you get offended or get upset, do you just automatically go, oh, that's okay, Lord, that's okay. I forgive them and a hallelujah. I wasn't so quick. I just wasn't so quick. God just began to work on my heart. And it didn't take long, and I had to, I had to realize quickly, look, if you go down this path, that's, that's grieving the Holy Spirit. And that is a place you don't want to be in... Think about God has forgiven you, Pastor. You've got to extend forgiveness no matter what they did, no matter what they said, no matter what happened. And I just want you to know that's hard for some of us, right? And it doesn't just, it's not a microwave moment. Sometimes it's more of an oven, a marination moment where we just are like under conviction. The Holy Spirit comes and says, Look, you don't have really a choice. You must release them and forgive them. So Just a little personal testimony there. All right, here we go. We're in verse 9 of Matthew chapter 6. And this is the Lord's Prayer. Don't you love it? The best gift, Matthew chapter 6. Here we are in verse 9 where it says, In this manner, Jesus said, Therefore pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, holy, blessed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and why.'" Forgive us our debts, our iniquities, our transgressions, our sins. Forgive us, O God, of these things as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now watch this in verse 14. Verses 14 and 15, whoo, I've had to wrestle with this passage of Scripture. I've really had to come to grips with it and have the Holy Spirit really speak to me, convict me, and and deal with me personally before I could stand up here and speak to you publicly and corporately. For Jesus said these words, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But, some of you are thinking, "He, he, he really didn't say that, did he? Jesus really didn't mean, mean that. Re- really? Did he really say this? But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive you or forgive your trespasses. Luke's version of the Sermon on the Mount, you can read it and it goes like this. I'll just read one verse. Luke eleven four four says, and forgive us our sins, our debtors, our transgressions, the iniquities. It's just the same concept. Forgive us of our sins, for we also forgive everybody who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, as I was studying this passage of Scripture, for the first time, I saw the correlation. I saw the connection between Jesus praying, here's what you ought to pray. Forgive us, O God, of our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us, and lead us not into temptation. I wonder... If the devil lurks in those closets, in those moments of unforgiveness, absolutely he does. I think he does his greatest work in the hearts of men and women and students and boys and girls when there is an offense and when there is a hurt and the enemy's there is tempting us and he's saying, just fester on it, just get angry with it, just get revenge with it. And Jesus says, and pray, lead us, O God, not to do that. Don't lead us into temptation, oh God. Do y'all see the correlation? I, I believe it's there for a precise, perfect Holy Spirit moment. If we don't forgive, then the enemy abounds. He does his greatest work in an unforgiving heart. Ooh, what a topic. You said, now, why are you preaching on this? Would, would you go back to Acts, please, and just preach on the book of Acts like you were doing? No, see, the Holy Spirit, I really felt compelled and led to preach about forgiveness during this holiday season. And here are the things I want to to share with you. First of all is receive God's forgiveness. Anytime we talk about this grand topic, we need to, I think we need to start at this point. Uh, Forgive us our sins as we forgive our debtors. And so the Lord's Prayer is a plea. God, forgive us. And you know what? God does. The greatest Most spectacular thing I could share with you this holiday season is this. We are great sinners, and Jesus is a wonderful Savior. And he will forgive, he will pardon, he will cleanse all of our iniquities, all of our dastardly deeds, all of those things that we have thought, that we have said, that we have done. If we confess our sins, Jesus, he will forgive us and cleanse us. Come on, that's pretty cool. He will cleanse us from some of our sins. No, from all of our unrighteousness. He who covers his sins will not prosper, but he who confesses them and forsakes them, Solomon says, will have mercy. I'm here to tell you today, no matter what your sin, if you say, God, I am sorry, please forgive me, then God will forgive you. I can't get over that. I'm still so grateful to God that he saved me, that he changed me as a teenager and gave me eternal life and abundant life. And every day I get up in the morning and I pray. And one of the things I pray is, Lord, please forgive me now of my sins. And God doesn't hold them against me. He, cle- mm, mm, come on. he cleanses us. He casts our sins as far as the east is from the west. And the Bible says he remembers them no more. <laughs> Hallelujah. That is amazing. And so I, if you haven't received it, I would encourage you, it, I highly recommend it, receive the forgiveness of God. Amen. Just receive it. You can't earn it. You can't purchase it. Just say, Lord, I am a sinner. And I ask uh, for Your forgiveness. You know, Lisa Tuckhurst, she has written a book called Forgiving What You Can't Forget. And Daniel, two weeks ago, recommended this book to you. I want to recommend it to you again. I'm currently reading it. can hardly put it down. Y'all know her. You probably have heard her speak. Lisa Tuckhurst, she's um, the leader of the Proverbs 31 ministries. Phenomenal speaker, gifted writer. Four years ago, her husband did the unthinkable. He had an affair, committed adultery many times over, got hooked on some substances, and she said, it, it, basic, it almost destroyed us. It was interesting, I was researching this, and about 2017, she writes to her constituents, and she says, uh, we're getting a divorce, I've tried to reconcile, it's not happening, it's over. But you fast forward to 2020, and you read her book, and she says, no, I chose a different path. And we have walked through the darkest nights of our souls. We've gone through multiple counseling sessions. We've come out on the other side. I've forgiven him and we are restored. It, it is a phenomenal, phenomenal story. She has some jewels, I mean some quotes in this book that are just phenomenal. Let me give you this one. She says this about forgiveness. It's hard sometimes to give it. It's amazing to receive it, But when we receive it freely from the Lord and refuse to give it, something heavy starts to form in our souls. I believe with all my heart, she writes, forgiveness received and given is the very thing that splits the world open with the most stunning revelation of the reality of Jesus Christ. Perhaps more than anything else, this concept of forgiveness receive the forgiveness of God. Be born again. Ask Jesus to be your Savior and your Lord. And I'm telling you, when you do, He will give you the power and the corollary command to forgive others. You know, it'd be impossible for me to stand up here as a pastor, as a preacher, and say, if you don't know Christ, you don't have a relationship with God, then you gotta go forgive others. And you you really can't. You, you really can't. You don't have the strength, the power of God. Look, it takes some miracle for some of the things that have happened to you. And you know what those things are. The injurious actions, the rape, the hurt, the abuse, the lies the treachery, I mean the things inflicted upon you. Some of of you, and you're listening online, some of you are right here. This is a difficult sermon for you to hear because it kind of comes back to you. And if you have not forgiven, then you're just like, oh, you just feel this devastation. Let me just encourage you this. You don't have to feel devastated. When you receive the forgiveness of God, God will supernaturally, miraculously empower you to do the unthinkable, the unimaginable, And forgive. Now, it may take time. It may take counseling. It may take somebody walking alongside of you, but I'm here to tell you it can be done. You can forgive. And that's my second thing I want to share with you. Give this gift, give the gift of forgiveness. Just let that settle for just a minute. It is a gift. And it's something that we impart to another soul, another individual. If some of the people that harmed you the most like they did in my life, unthink, some unthinkable things that happened to me, that person's gone. That person's in eternity. And for me to hold bitterness and, and want revenge against that person, that's, I don't use this word a lot, but I'm just gonna go ahead and say, that's stupid. I mean, that's not hurting him. It's not, it's not helping me. So I choose to forgive. I just choose to say, Lord, I forgive that person. And it's amazing what God begins to do in your life. When you truly forgive and the thought comes back up, and Lisa Turkhurst here helps us greatly, she says, it really is a." A mistaken false theology that says in order to truly forgive you have to truly forget and that's just not in the Bible Uh, sometimes some of you will never forget and the enemy will remind you of that injury he will remind you of that hurt and I'm going to share with you a little later what I do when he reminds me of that it absolutely sets me free every time we'll get to that just a moment number three avoid becoming an unforgiven Christian Some of y'all are like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's that's an oxymoron, pastor. If I've ever heard of an oxymoron, an unforgiven Christian, that's an impossibility. But no, wait a minute. We gotta deal with this passage of scripture where Jesus literally said, if you do not forgive, then the Father will not forgive. Did I make that up, church? Y'all help me, hold me accountable. Did I make that up? No, Jesus Christ himself, Said these words. Now, let's wrestle with this just a minute. Some of you are like, whoa, I've eaten way too much turkey and I, I've had too much pie. This is, this is hard on me, Brother Dan. I'm, I'm, to think this hard, I'd just rather take it out. Come on now, think with me deeply for just a moment. Well, what are we talking about here? When Jesus says, forgive or you will not be forgiven. A couple of insights that I've gleaned from this. First of all, I believe he's talking to us as Christians. The Lord's Prayer, verse 14, Your Heavenly Father, He said. And then in verse 15, Your Father. We're calling out to our Heavenly Father. We have been redeemed back to the Father through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Look, if that has happened, if that has happened, then you have the wherewithal, you have the power, you have the commandment to forgive. So, what if we choose not to forgive? Well, do you cease becoming a daughter of the king? Do you cease to become a son of the most high God? No, because our salvation is sealed, right? The Holy Spirit, Ephesians teaches us that once you are genuinely born again by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit resides within us. He is the down payment. And when we die, we go into the presence of God. Our salvation is a gift that God does not retract or take away. No, we are saved and eternally secure. So what is he talking about? Here's what I think he's talking about. When we as his children refuse to forgive, it damages the fellowship with God something in our fellowship becomes disoriented. It becomes disrupted. A couple of New Testament theologians helped me with this. One of them said, spiritual debts to God is what's in view. Our plea for continued forgiveness as believers requesting the restoration of fellowship, please underline this word, fellowship with God following the alienation that sin produces is predicated on our having forgiven those who have sinned against us. Verse 15 stresses, without this interpersonal reconciliation on the human level, neither can we be reconciled to God. End of quote. The next theologian, scholar, helped me with this, says, Jesus' words in Matthew 6, and that's what we're talking about, verses 14 and 15, explain his statement about forgiveness in verse 12. Now, the writer goes on, let me sometimes theologians and philosophers, they can, they can kind of go and you're like, I have no idea what he just said. What, he, what he's saying is when a lost person comes to, I hope this helps you. This really helped me. When an unbelieving person comes to God and they say, Lord, I am a sinner. Forgive me, cleanse me. Jesus does not say no as a a as I can't do that because you've got people you need to go and forgive. Aren't you glad God doesn't work that way? Listen, when I came to Jesus, I was messed up. I had all kinds of bitterness and all kinds of hatred and all kinds of unforgiveness in me. But when I said, Lord, save me, God says, I will. Listen, it's not by our works. It's by his grace that he saves us. I don't have to get my life all together and then come to God. God says, no, just come, just come. And he saves us and he cleanses us. Now, once that happens, I'm a child of God. You're a child of God. And now when we're walking with the Lord and somebody injures us or hurts us and we're, mm, I cannot forgive them, now the fellowship's broken. You see, that's the context. It's important to remember our Father, your heavenly Father. Excuse me, I had to get back to my theologian friend here. Though God's forgiveness of sin is not based on one's forgiving others, okay, initially salvation, a Christian's forgiveness is based on realizing he has been forgiven Personal fellowship with God is in view. Personal salvation is not. That's what this author says. One cannot walk in fellowship with God if he refuses to forgive others. End of quote. I want to close my message today with a few practical suggestions. I just offer these to, I hope they help you. I know they've really, really helped me. They continue to help me. Um, the first one is this. You will have opportunities to forgive. That is a nice way of saying, somebody's going to hurt you. People are going to say things about you. They're going to do things to you. They're going to think things about you, and good thing you cannot read their mind. It's part of being in the human race, the fallen world in which we live. You and I are going to have... Opportunities to err is human to forgive is why. That's true. However, I would add to that: to err is human, and so is to forgive. You're going to have opportunities. You've had opportunities in 2020 that you had no. You say, "Well, Pastor, I'm just kind of upset with you right now. I don't. I don't want to call these opportunities. These are not opportunities at all. Yes, they are. They're opportunities for you." to just dis- watch this, to be a trophy of God's grace, to be on display that God's grace has covered you and Jesus' blood has cleansed you and with his grace and with his power and with his anointing and the Holy Spirit of God living within you, you forgive. You cancel their debt. You swap it away and say, by the grace that has been given to me, I forgive you. Number two, forgiving those who have wronged us is not optional. It's a commandment. Whew. So easy for me to say that. It's been so hard for me to live that. Forgiving those who have wronged us is not optional. Jesus' it, And aren't you glad that Jesus forgave? I, I'm still astonished. When he's dying on the cross, Luke 23, 40, 30, uh, 34, then Jesus said, Father... Forgive them. What's the context? He is bloodied, beaten, butchered on a cross for the sins of the world, falsely accused, hurt, separated. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In that one moment when the Father turns his back on his Son, the first and only time in eternity, but God is so holy he can't look upon sin, and Jesus bears our sins on the cross, and he says... Father, aren't you glad he doesn't say, get them, God, just zap everlasting, one of them, take them out. No, had he done that, you and I wouldn't be here today. Oh, but the grace of God. We're here today because Jesus stayed on the cross, forgave his persecutors, and he's forgiven me, he's forgiven you. Glory to God. What a Savior. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Father, he says, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing. And then they divided his garments, they cast lots, they crucified the king of glory, and he forgave them. Wow. Number three forgiveness liberates you. You with me? It liberates you. It is drinking that poison. And thinking the other person will die. You've heard that. Unforgiveness is just like that. It's us drinking poison. It kills us. But we think somehow it's going to hurt and harm the other person. Pastor, a friend of mine, James Merritt, he wrote about this not long ago. And I remember reading and I was just like, oh, mercy. He said, unforgiveness is like an acid that only eats away at the container. It does not have any impact on people outside the container, which is us. Forgiveness liberates us. That's why I was saying earlier, the person that harmed me the most is in eternity. And for me to hold bitterness and anger and hurt against that person, look, that's only gonna hurt me and it's gonna hurt my relationship with the Lord and it's gonna hurt my relationship with others and my family got to let it go. Here's, here's something I want to share with you. Don't hold one's worst days against him. Everybody could use some forgiveness. Mm. Don't hold somebody's worst days against them. Y'all know where I got that? Y'all see it's in quotations? Now don't judge me, but I'm going to tell you where I got this. na-na-na na-na-na Na 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 na. Bum SWAT. It's the CBS show SWAT. Hondo. Okay. If you've seen Hondo. <laughs> Deacon is my favorite character on the show SWAT. I'm just curious. Anybody seen SWAT that's out here? God bless you, Miss Turner. I see you. Man, bless you. Well, Deacon is having a conversation with Tan, one of his colleagues. Tan is wrapped around this axle of unforgiveness. He's so mad at his brother because his brother forsook him at their worst time. And for years, he just holds it against his brother. And Deacon told him, he said, Look, Tan, don't hold your brother's worst day against him. Everybody could use a little forgiveness. A couple years ago, Ashley and I went to New York City. I don't know if we'll ever go back, right? Who wants to go now? And we went to the Broadway show, Alexander Hamilton, for my 55th birthday. She gave it to me. I was like, oh, my word. I just, I've never seen anything quite so amazing. I mean, Wicked, the other Broadway show that I've seen, it, it rivals that. It's just unbelievably good. And I'm just mesmerized watching Alexander Hamilton. I didn't know they knew rap music back in the 1700s. It was just really, it was just amazing. You know, I'm taking all this in. Phenomenally done. Uh, Ron Chernow's book, Hamilton, is what they based the the script on. So Hamilton, real quick, he's genius, he's brilliant, he's going to be the next president, he's going to win the presidency, there's no doubt. Many, many people hate him. But as you know, at 49 years of age, he gets in a pistol duel with a then-Vice President, Van Buren, and he dies. But before he dies, not many people know this, that the same thing happened to his 19-year-old son, Philip. Philip got angry at someone who was saying mean things about his father, and so he challenged him to a pistol duel. Now, by the way, gentlemen, that's how they did it back then. They march a few feet, they turn around and shoot one another and kill one another. I'm, I'm just, that's how it went down. But Alexander told his son, he said, Philip, listen, when you go to fight, here's what's going to happen you're going to march, you're going to turn, and when you turn, just fire up into the air. Your would-be assailant, he will fire into the air. Y'all have shown your manliness and it's over. Well, Philip said, okay, dad, that's what I'll do. And Philip went, he turned, he shot, and his assailant shot him and killed him. So he has this guilt, this weight. He commits adultery against Eliza, his wife. She finds out about it right around the same time that their son has been murdered. And Alexander Hamilton is in the depths. I don't, were we able to get the song? We do have it. I, I'm going to play an excerpt for y'all. Listen to the word grace in this song. Listen to the word forgiveness. it only take me just a, a few moments, but this is Eliza. And she has a choice. She's either going to forgive her husband for what he's done, giving the horrible advice to their son, and committing the unthinkable adultery against their marriage vows. Let's listen to it for a second. It's quiet uptown. Forgiveness. Can you imagine? Forgiveness. Imagine. If you see him in the street, walking by your side, talking by your side, have They are going through the unimaginable. So they're saying, if you see him, they're devastated. Have pity on them. Have mercy on them. They're going through the unimaginable. And I was watching that in New York City, and Eliza takes the hand of Alexander, and you, hear, you heard the song, forgiveness, forgiveness. And she chose to forgive him. She did not hold his worst days against him. Whew, that, that's, that's some strong, strong even if it does come from Broadway. Oh, speaking about Broadway, I did watch this one too when I was there. Let it go, let it go. Mm, hey, sweetie. Hey, Claire. Pops is singing to you. Uh, Frozen. Uh, is it Anna or is it Elsa? You would know. Elsa, thank you. She, <laughs> she's young. She gets it. And um, that's some good theology. Let it it go. What's the alternative? Keep it in. Um, Became a little more transparent than I had planned in this sermon, but I would summarize it by saying this. All of us, if we live long enough, it's going to happen. We're going to be so hurt. And some are going to be far hurt, far greater, and to the depth that many of us would never would never be able to really sympathize or empathize. I don't know what your hurt is, but I know God does. And God wants to set you free. And he's given you, he's given me. It's really the silver bullet if we'll forgive. If we will forgive those who sin against us, God forgives and restores us in that fellowship. I would plead with you. I would get on my knees and I would beg you to give your life to Christ. He and he alone has the power, the authority to cleanse you, to wash away your sins, your guilt, your shame, all those unimaginable things that you have done. You bring it to the cross, say, God, I'm sorry, Jesus Christ forgives you. Some of you are like, it can't be that simple. I've got to earn it, I've got to pay, I've got to go through a process. No, you don't. But you do have to trust God and say, Lord, forgive me, and he will. Trust me, if God can can save a murderer by the name of Saul of Tarsus, God can save you, and he made him an apostle Paul. He can do amazing things in you. Ask for forgiveness. And then... By the grace of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, walk in forgiveness. And here's the practical thing I want to share with you, and and, and I hope this helps you. When it happens to me and I've forgiven the person and the enemy, remember the context, lead us not into temptation. The temptation, I don't know how the enemy works on you, but he works on this little, and I say little, gray matter between my temples. This is where he comes after me, my mind. Oh, remember, remember what he just said? Remember, remember what happened? And I have a moment. I don't know how y'all deal with it. Here's how I deal with it. I can take it. And if I take the bait, I just get wrapped around the ax. I just get all messed up and angry. But here's what I do. I say, I have forgiven him. I've already forgiven her. And so here's what I do. I turn it on the enemy and I start praying for that person. If they're still alive, I start praying for them. And then I start quoting the word of God. Let me tell you something. The devil hates the word of God. Quote the word of God. Pray for that person. And I'm t- next thing you know, bam, you are set free. And you don't have to wrestle with that. That is a battle God does not intend for you to fight. You've settled that. You have forgiven. You may not remember anything else this whole sermon, but I bet you, Many of you are going to remember what I'm about to say. And I could find out who said it initially on the podcast that I heard. Pastor Nathan, sometimes I just hear great stuff and I give them credit, but I can't remember who said it. But I can't remember who said it. But here it is. I'm going to close with this. The best advice this person said I ever received was... You ready? The best advice I ever received was Quit listening to yourself and start talking to yourself. Think about that. Quit listening to the lies of the enemy or your own heart or the lies of others and start speaking truth. Speak truth and see what God does. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. Let's just move into a time of invitation. You, you guys are wonderful. Thank you for coming today. and. And our band's going to come up, and we're going to sing and praise the Lord. And we have, we have biblical counselors here at Great Hills Baptist Church. Some of these guys and gals are on our staff. They do an amazing job. And listen to me carefully now. Your head's bowed and your eyes are closed. And some of you are saying, Pastor, I, I don't disagree with you. You preach the Bible. And if I disagree with you, I'm going to have to take it up with God because you're just preaching the Bible. But I'm telling you, I'm not there. I'm just not there. I, I just can't. I can't do it. I cannot forgive him. I cannot forgive her. Please help me. Please help me. I want to help you. I want you to know, please don't walk this alone. Don't walk this alone. We we literally have people in this church who will walk with you. They will take you by the hand, men with men, women with women, and we will walk you to the other side. But you got to let us know. Let one of our pastors, let one of our directors, let us know so we can connect you and help you. I really recommend Lisa's book, Lisa Turkhurst. Her book, "Forgiving What You Can't Forget." It, it's a beautiful process. I mean, she takes you right where you are—no judgment, no shame, guilt—and she goes, "Look, let me walk you. Let me help you through the other side." But more than a human book or a human counselor, I just—I I, I beseech you to fall upon the grace of God. Just say, "God, help me. I can't. I just can't do this." but you can and you will you know i read my bible the romans the other day and it's it's still in there and i'm like is that bible verse still in there the same power that rose jesus from the dead lives in you he lives in you he lives in me and he liberates us he sets us in the chains hear him hear him fall Hear them burst, hear them shatter at your feet. The Holy Spirit of God enables you and empowers you and me to forgive. Some of you, you've gone through the unimaginable. It probably doesn't get much worse than what Eliza dealt with adultery and and murder, but she forgave, and you and I can forgive. Would you let us help you? During these COVID crazy days, We don't come to the altar as much, but we do have counselors and pastors out in the great hall right here behind you. You can slip out there. and Somebody will talk to you. Somebody will pray with you. Jeff, why don't you come, and I'm going to close our prayer. Father, we love you. Thank you. Thank you for the precious gift of forgiveness granted to us by your Son, Jesus, through His blood. Thank you, Lord, that we are in right relationship with you because of you and your sacrifice. I love you, Lord, and I praise you. Thank you, God. Thank you for saving me. I just can't imagine the alcohol that this little body would consume. I can't imagine the adultery this body would commit. I can't imagine the the destitution, the homelessness I would find myself in were it not for the grace of Jesus. God, can I just say if I haven't said it I sure appreciate you, Lord. I love you so much. Thank you for saving my soul. Thank you for redeeming me, for making me righteous, for making me be a person, Lord, I could only have dreamed of becoming. With the life I lived in the background and the pain and the suffering that I endured, pre-coming to you, God, that you would save me and you would put me in a pastorate. God, I thank you so much. I'm just so very, very grateful. And thank you, Lord, that to this day, I can honestly say I hold no bitterness toward anybody. Thank you, God, for that freedom. Oh, thank you for that liberty. And I'm praying it for my people, God. I'm praying for them. They would experience the grace of God and then give it away. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Would y'all stand? We'll sing. God bless you. Come on, let's stand up. Worship the Lord with me. Jeff, y'all come and lead us.